your need-to-know cultural snapshot of Wisconsin and beyond. This is What's on Tap with Sandy Max. A deep dive into all things intriguing, riveting, and entertaining. And now your host for the evening, here's Sandy Max. Welcome to this new show. It is a way for you to hear and experience culture and creativity here in Wisconsin and around the world. We call it What's on Tap, and I am Sandy Max. On this episode, you'll hear highlights from this past week of WTMJ's Debbie Lazaga sharing her experience visiting Jewish Museum Milwaukee as part of Milwaukee Museum Days. Get a preview of the new Milwaukee PBS documentary, Al Capone, Prohibition and Wisconsin, from the producers themselves. A local master brewer shares his top five non-alcoholic beers to help you and anyone you know during dry January and Irish tales and tunes to get you in the mood to join me on my WTMJ group trip to Ireland this spring. You can find all the info on that Ireland adventure at WTMJ.com if you want to consider traveling with me. We start What's on Tap with this enlightening experience. Hey there, I'm Sandy Max. Thank you for listening. Yesterday I had and unique Milwaukee bucket list experience at the historic landmark downtown, the Pabst Theater. You know, where you see a Christmas carol and great concerts. If you look directly up, way up high, there is a chandelier. It's not just any chandelier. It's a chandelier that weighs over a ton. And once a year, a sort of ceremonious event occurs. That massive chandelier is lowered by hand cranking it like they did when it was built in the 1800s down to the level of the theater seats so volunteers can clean the 30,000 crystals of grime and dust that accumulates over the year. I've wanted to clean the Paps Theater chandelier for years ever since I heard about it. Come now with me to the theater. These are audio highlights from a sparkling magical video just produced by digital content manager Dylan Hunter Carter. I'm Sandy Max with WTMJ, and I am very excited to be inside the Paps Theater after hours. I level with one of the huge, beautiful, multi-crystalled chandeliers and with one of the volunteers who makes sure it sparkles. What's your name? Sandra Wicker. Sandra, how many years have you been volunteering to polish these beautiful chandeliers? If we wouldn't have had that little hiccup that everyone was going through, this probably would have been my tenth year doing it. How did you get started? I usher here. And I was talking to the house manager and he kind of mentioned about how yeah, they bring it down and there are volunteers that come in and she said, I'd love to do that. What is it about it that attracts people like you and me that we want to get our hands on this history? This is a gem of a building. It's the fourth oldest continuous running theater in the country built in 1895. You don't have too many of these in the country anymore. Unfortunately, you know, people tear things down and put it in a parking lot. We're smart. We preserve them here in Milwaukee. Thank you, Michael Cudahy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what do you use to clean each of these crystals? And how many crystals are there? There's about 33,000. I haven't counted them. <laughs> so you just get your spray bottle and some and cloth? cloth and kind of slowly and carefully. The chandelier has been up there since 1976. It's not the original. We don't know where the original is or what it looked like so you basically very gently you don't want to pull too hard you don't want to break off the, the wires because uh, it is getting a bit on the old side <laughs> antique we prefer to call it 
So when I walked in to the theater, just to even see it lowered and understand the perspective of just how huge this chandelier is and the beautiful glow, it really is an impact. What did you feel like the first time you saw the chandelier up close? There were no words. There really weren't. And I have to say that yesterday we took a lunch break and we were sitting here eating our sandwiches and just... Admiring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you take it in. It looks so much different from when we started because there was a slight film on it. Not as bad as last year. Last year, the crystals were fuzzy because it hadn't been done for five years. Oh, it's sat in here since like 2019. Well, we hadn't had the opportunity to bring it down. There have been a lot of glitches in the system and the light bulbs have to be switched out. Any electrical work that needs to be done, this is the time to do it. What is one of the most surprising things that you've learned in cleaning the chandelier? I think the way that it's actually constructed because each crystal is linked by a wire to the crystal underneath it. But then there's also a wire that goes along the back of all of the crystals. It kind of reinforces it. And another thing I need to point out, if you come to the Paps Theater and the third floor is open, go up to the third floor, go to the center entrance of the auditorium, and you will be at eye level with the chandelier. And if you turn around and do this, you can do a selfie with the chandelier in the background. That's a good tip, Sandra. Either that or you can come and volunteer and help us polish it. All kinds of selfies inside the chandelier, too, which you can't do when it's up there. So mark your calendar for next January? It should be around next January. You would spray. And then you just start rubbing and slowly work your way down the strand. So then as you come down, you just see that. Colors come out. It was amazing yesterday. Sandra Wicker is a wealth of historical knowledge and a joy to spend time with. She was so kind and welcoming. You can see her in the video that we have posted at WTMJ.com. And Paul Solomon of Milwaukee also volunteered this year, and he shared with me his feelings about the massive chandelier at the Paps Theater. I work here at the theater, so ushering here, you see it every night when you're here. And it's absolutely amazing. And to see it down and see how large it is and how small it makes the theater look, it's absolutely incredible. And while you're cleaning it, it's just mesmerizing, just looking at the lights and everything like that. So It really is. You can see the sparkling video posted now at WTMJ.com and on the News Radio 620 WTMJ Facebook page. Dylan Hunter-Carter, our WTMJ digital content manager, really just, I think he captured just how hypnotic and beautiful and massive this chandelier experience is. And it's fascinating because when you walk in, you're, you're awestruck. But this chandelier, the whole 2,000 pounds of it, continues to move ever so slowly. So it's kind of meditative. It was magical. Something you can only do in Milwaukee's historic Paps Theater. Go to WTMJ.com to watch the video and see me shining up some crystals. Another way to experience history is by going to some of our marvelous museums around Milwaukee. WTMJ's Debbie Lazaga brings us along on her first visit to the Jewish Museum Milwaukee. Next on What's on Tap on WTMJ. You're listening to What's on Tap with Sandy Max on WTMJ. Thanks for tuning in to this show that celebrates culture and creativity here in Wisconsin and around the world. Milwaukee Museum Days is here. Now through January 28th, you can get discounts, deals, even free admission at over 30 museums. And not only in Milwaukee, but also from Kohler to Cedarburg to River Hills to Racine. WTMJ's Debbie Lazaga takes us now to one of the most unique and relevant museums in the city. 
Running along Prospect Avenue, along what's known as Museum Mile, sits a cool space. It's the Jewish Museum, Milwaukee. They're taking part in this year's Museum Days, put on by Visit Milwaukee. Curator Molly Dubin says it's all about telling a very special story. Some of the stories we tell are very much in connection to families that are here in Milwaukee. So much of what we have from our permanent exhibit actually comes from families, organizations, synagogues, um, cultural and, and religious that are here in Milwaukee and have been here. So it really is so rooted in our community. But some of the stories are also very universal. This area of Wisconsin does have a rich Jewish heritage, and this is a great place to learn all about the local culture. In our permanent exhibits, we explore and tell the story of the Jews of southeastern Wisconsin. And this year, they've brought in a special exhibit. This run of Museum Days is really great because it coincides with the opening of a brand new exhibit. And that exhibit is called The Book Smugglers. The longer title is Poets, Partisans, and the Race to Save Jewish Treasures from the Nazis. And it really looks at the true story of the paper brigade of Vilna, who worked clandestinely and often at the risk of their own lives to save Jewish treasures, manuscripts, writings, with the thought that if there needed to be a remembrance, if the plan that was afoot were to be carried out and the Jewish people weren't around to tell their own story, there would be treasures and manuscripts and writings to tell that story. And with everything going on in the Middle East and in an era where there's been an upswing in anti-Semitism, it's becoming even more important to provide education about the Jewish experience. You know, we are, like so many other organizations, really grappling with everything that's going on, all of the people that are being affected, and really just trying to provide a platform to share their experiences and, and to come. And if there is any question about what Judaism is all about, you know, what the values are, to come in and learn about it. You know, if there are things that you're hearing that you may not be certain of or you want to, you know, really get to the root of something, the heart of something, we're here to provide that educational opportunity and that material for you. So if this sounds like something you might be interested in, there's never been a better time to visit. And in conjunction with Museum Days, they have a great deal going on. The community can come in at a reduced price and see this really extraordinary story. That reduced price is just $5. So head on over to the east side and become a tourist in your own hometown. Check out the Jewish Museum Milwaukee. Debbie Lazaga, WTMJ News. Debbie's full conversation with Jewish Museum Milwaukee curator Molly Dubin in a podcast at WTMJ.com. And get in on the Milwaukee Museum Day's fun. Browse the interactive map to make your plans at Visit Milwaukee's website, visitmilwaukee.org. I'm Sandy Max, and dry January doesn't have to be dull. We'll find out fun facts about prohibition and get you a list of the best non-alcoholic beers. Both coming up on What's on Tap on WTMJ. Welcome back to What's on Tap on WTMJ. I'm your host, Sandy Max, and true crime has captured the attention and curiosity of people for ages. 100 years ago, prohibition was happening and organized crime boomed. Al Capone of the Chicago outfit was a true boss. To share a lot more about Capone's story and connection to Wisconsin are the duo who created a new documentary. It is my pleasure to welcome to the WTMJ studio my Milwaukee PBS teammates, producer Brian Ewig and producer Tracy Newman. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us, Sandy. What is the name of your new documentary that will be world premiering on Milwaukee PBS this month? 
Al Capone, Prohibition in Wisconsin. Prohibition? Dry January. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of goes with that. But it's fascinating if you think it was 100 years ago that Prohibition was happening. What is it that inspired the two of you to create this documentary? Well, I think the documentary comes from two things. It comes from my love of history, and um, anyone who knows me knows that I'm obsessed with film noir, old movies, and uh, that's kind of where the inspiration came from. And then, you know, with all that history here that we have with the breweries in Milwaukee and this in the city, it just seemed like a slam dunk. And then the more and more we dug into it, you know, we got these Al Capone. Everyone's got an Al Capone story once you start talking about prohibition. So really? Everyone, everyone drove cars for Al Capone. Everyone had a place for Al Capone. Everyone, Al Capone was at this bar one time. So, you know, it was a lot of weeding out that kind of stuff. But once we found that Al Capone angle, um, we really started honing in on that. And um, it wasn't until we found up in Manitowish Waters, the Manitowish Waters Historical Society, Babe Hawkinson had just handed them 20, 30 years of correspondence between her grandfather and Al Capone. She was going through letters for when her mother died Found all these letters. Hey, friend, it's me, Al Capone. How oh, my you? gosh. Do you have any of that moonshine I was looking for? Can you send it down to Milwaukee? That's crazy because you would think, you know, I mean, he was so successful. You do that. Be- you're so successful because you cover your tracks. Absolutely. And, you know, and they said if that letter had that letter not been sitting in Babe's house for 70, 80 years, this letter could have implemented him for moonshine for all those Crimes that they never were able to get him for, this would have been that evidence. Uh, yeah, because they were only able to get him on, it was a tax evasion? Tax evasion, yeah. My gosh, uh, I have a clip from Babe. Would you like me to, to, like to hear a little bit of Babe? Absolutely, yeah. Al Capone was coming up for a particular reason, to look for property. So my grandfather overlooked, to an extent, overlooked his business end and looked at this as an opportunity, one, to sell property, but also looked at it as a friendship. That was a secret that was kept, and it was kept because of my grandparents. I think that shows to who they were and why he felt as he did to come up north with his friends and felt safety. He must have felt trusting and safe, like I said, to, to write those, those letters. That is still, that just is fascinating to me. There were letters where he was, he was buying rocking horses for their children. And he was saying, how is your son? How is that little slugger doing? I would like to be a manager for his baseball team. These are the kind of letters that Al Capone is writing. It was an incredible find to find these letters after all these years. And this is a way to keep history alive when you really are telling stories instead of just memorizing dates and locations and facts. Like this really humanizes somebody who, you know, just became this mafioso character. Yeah, that was what was really interesting to find these things that people really didn't know about and then to bring them out so the public now knows, you know, firsthand what kind of a a person he was. What's one of the biggest revelations that each of you individually had as you were creating this documentary about Al Capone? For me, making the cold call to Diane Capone, it was uh, Al Capone's granddaughter. Talking to her, she was really nice. She was very candid about her grandfather. She didn't make him out to be a hero. Um, she was very honest, so I liked her right away, and that that was pretty neat. Just just to know that you know she, that's her grandfather, and that's got to be an interesting truth to accept. 
a lot of us talk about, oh, okay, we've got skeletons in the closet. Well, this skeleton's out dancing around and everybody knows yeah, <laughs> your connection to it. And you can't hold her accountable for things her grandfather did. And, and you can't expect her to answer to those things. That's not fair. You know, and so. And she would have had a very different relationship with him as a granddaughter. Yes. So her relationship with her grandfather is he passed away when she was four years old. So she has those memories of him as, as a grandfather. So a lot of people have very fond memories of their grandparents at that age. A lot of these stories she ends up telling are Al Capone's wife, May, ended up living well into her 70s. So Diane and May ended up conversing quite a bit over those 30 years, and that's how she compiled all of these family stories that she shared with us. I wonder if she had letters like uh, like Babe's grandfather did. <laughs> you know, although it was interesting, we, we had the screening the other night, and Babe said, I really need to talk to Diane. I need to hook up, and we need to to form that bond again from multiple generations back. I think that'd be great for them to hook up and talk about. and Because they have an understanding that really no one else has. Exactly. And most of the people that knew him are no longer around. That would be fascinating. Can you make that happen? Yeah. That, you can also film that. That would make yeah, a great... Yeah, the cameras will be there. We'll yeah, be there. that's a great documentary, a great podcast to have Babe, the granddaughter of the old realtor, and to have the, the granddaughter of Al Capone. That would be fascinating. Hear that full conversation from Friday on the What's on Tap podcast at WTMJ.com and wherever you get your podcasts. When can you see this new documentary? The premiere of Al Capone, Prohibition and Wisconsin is Monday, January 29th at 8 p.m. and again at 9.30 p.m. on Milwaukee PBS Channel 10. From Prohibition to Dry January, a master brewer at one of Milwaukee's microbreweries gives you something you must listen to if you're doing dry January or damp January. The top five best non-alcoholic beers ranked by a head brewer next on What's on Tap on WTMJ. What's on Tap with Sammy Max is back on WTMJ. Thank you for tuning in to this new show, What's on Tap on WTMJ, where you get to experience culture and creativity from Wisconsin and around the world. I'm Sandy Max, and for anyone pressing the reset button at the beginning of the year like I am for Dry January, this one's for you. A top five list of non-alcoholic beers from someone who really knows his beer. I want you to meet... Matt Siz of Gathering Place Brewing Company, who spent his dry January a couple years ago tasting and ranking non-alcoholic beers. You as a brewmaster, yeah. is, is there a difference between a head brewer and a brewmaster? I would say it's semantics. Because brewmaster sounds, aha, uh-huh. Dungeons and Dragons sounds very impressive. Yeah, typically what you would see is that one of the people that has started the brewery is the head brewer or the brewmaster. I would say those words are kind of used interchangeably okay um i didn't want to be insulting anyone or just every time i said that somebody out there is cringing and going he's not really a brewmaster no he's a he's the head brewer at gathering place sandy you can call me whatever you like (laughs) (laughs) well you're my guest i'll I'll treat you well but but i'm thrilled you're here because when i found out that you had created a list during your dry january of top non-alcoholic beers for flavor it means something because you are creating craft beers all the time and you know what the sensations should be like the effervescence what it should smell like what it should look like as far as coloring so i am very interested to know as people are doing dry january maybe going out this weekend what non-alcoholic beers can you most recommend number five so just to preface this list a little bit oh no disclaimers for me all of these kind of have a time and a place right if you're out with friends if you undo certain things i love lagers I love a crispy pilsner. 
Um, so you will see some of that reflected sure. in my list. Well, any list is subjective. Yes. You know. Okay. Um, so number. F- oh, oh, another disclaimer. Yeah, a lot of these decisions too for me were based on availability, freshness, price point. Well, you had categories and rankings. There's so many things. I'd like to, to see consider. your spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but number five was uh, hopefully the Wisconsin faithful doesn't hate me, but Bud Zero. Really. It's crisp. It's affordable. Don't change the channel. He has four more. Um, <laughs> it's just what you think of when you think beer, right? Light beer, easy to drink. Number four for me, kind of a disclaimer, is not a beer, but it's a hop water. Lagunitas makes a product called Hop Fresher, I believe is what it's called. Super refreshing. I mean, as the description is, it is hop water, so it's basically... This is a new term for me, because I'm going to tell you, I've been posting on social media my progress, and uh, there's a fan and a friend of mine named Chris who definitely recommended the Lagunitas Hop Refresher, because yeah. it's hop water. And hop water is a whole new phrase to me. Yeah. Can you explain what hop water is compared to a non-alcoholic beer? Yeah, so easiest way to describe it would be like a LaCroix, but instead of you know whatever natural flavors they're adding to it, it's some sort of dry hopping is added. Okay. So kind of like you would have an IPA where you get that hoppy flavor. Mm-hmm. You're going to have that same kind of thing, but in a crystal clear water that has no alcohol in it. Okay. Uh, number then, mm-hmm. three is uh, Sierra Nevada has a IPA that's a non-alcoholic. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, their kind of flagship normal alcoholic beer. I love it because anywhere you go, it's always going to be fresh. There's enough product turnover. Um, but their their non-alcoholic IPA is really nice. All right. Number two. Um, Got to throw it to the local guys. Uh, Lakefront, their Eastside Dark, which I really like. It's going to be, you know, it's a dark lager. I like porters. Yeah. I'm a so big you, porter you would, fan. You would definitely like this beer. I'm very much a seasonal drinker. So during the winter months, I crave the heavy dark things. Mm-hmm. And during summer and, and fall, I kind of lean towards the crispy, refreshing Pilsners and Lagers. And then my number one, Coors Edge, is my number one N.A. beer. And why do you say that? Uh, it's, well, cri- it's crisp, it's refreshing, but um, it also helped the Milwaukee Bucks win a championship. <laughs> So <laughs> that was the story. Share your story again, because I cannot believe, again, a brewmaster that you would have chosen to <laughs> stick with a non-alcoholic beer during this Im- important time. Share your Milwaukee Bucks viewing story and the yeah, Coors Edge. Yeah, Coors Edge Street. So this was actually previous to Dry January. This was because the Bucks won it in twenty-one. Mm-hmm. I was at a friend's house, and they. Uh, his his wife actually might have been pregnant at the time. And so they had some Coors Edge in the fridge, and it was the Game 7 against Brooklyn where Kevin Durant's toe was on the line. I remember the toe, the big and, toe and, uh, game. And I had a Coors Edge, and the game just turned. Like, they started doing really well, so I was like... I was like sitting in a spot on their patio, and I was like, I can't move. Like any good game, game superstition. Is, oh, superstition. How yeah. funny. So maybe it's a sentimental favorite as well. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so that is your top five non-alcoholic beers as ranked by 
head brewer at Gathering Place Brewing Company, Matt Siz. Share this list with your dry January family and friends. It's on WTMJ.com on the What's on Tap podcast, and you can find the video of the top five list on the WTMJ YouTube channel. I'm Sandy Max, back with Irish Tales and Tunes, next on What's on Tap on WTMJ. This is What's on Tap with Sandy Max. The pipes, the pipes are calling From glen to glen and down the mountainside One of the most iconic Irish songs that you can think of. It's Oh Danny Boy, and this version is sung by musicians who will be in Milwaukee. Rory Modlinski, the marketing director of the Irish Cultural and Heritage Center, is in the studio with me, and you're bringing them to town. Yes, uh, March 10th, and uh, we're super excited. It's their 25th anniversary. I literally just found that out hours before I walked in the studio tonight, so uh, we're super excited to be hosting. You have to throw a special party, oh, yeah, special exactly. occasion, some silver decorations. Oh, yes, exactly. We'll figure <laughs> out something for them. But one of the reasons you love bringing Irish music to Milwaukee is because you are a musician yourself. Correct. It's really hard to grow up at Milwaukee Irish Fest, at the world's largest Irish Fest, and have an uncle who plays music and not get introduced to musicians, top uh, musicians, legendary musicians who have worked out, mentored Bob Dylan and Barbara Streisand and that, and not pick up some form of an instrument and, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, walk away. Uh, you have a special instrument. You were telling us a, a little bit about how you acquired it. What, how did you acquire this? So I was in Galway, Ireland in October, and I woke up one morning and I went, okay, I'm going to go into town and buy the guitar that I, I want to buy because I didn't want to do with taking a guitar over and deal with it getting broken, lost, or anything. And I bought this little uh, travel guitar. I walked back, and on the way back, I got completely lost for about two <laughs> hours. It was awesome. I had the most fun. And uh, listening to the Mary Wallopers out of Galway on my phone all the way back. And it was great. Ireland is great. You definitely do need a raincoat for, like, that morning. There's a picture of me not drenched, but it was definitely raining. That's okay. Yeah. It, doesn't, it didn't dampen your fun. No. So I'm looking forward to going in I, springtime with a group of WTMJ listeners. But would you mind playing some music on this yeah. authentic Galway guitar? We're going to try to at least get this, keep this thing in tune here. I was thinking about Steve Martin a lot lately. The he's, comedian and banjo player. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's a huge uh, Irish music fan, and... On one of his albums, he talks about this song in the liner notes. So it was made famous by the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Makem, but it was kind of written by Sarah Makem to the tune of Loch Lomond, which is a Scottish tune. So, like I said, we'll try to get this guitar in tune. Come over the hill, my bonnie Irish lass. Come over the hill to my darling. Choose the road, love, and I'll make a vow that I'll be your true love forever. And red is the rose that in yonder garden grows, and fair is the lily of the valley. That flows from the boy But my love is fairer than any Rory Modlinski from the Irish Cultural and Heritage Center Marketing Director and Musician playing his Galway guitar Yeah, absolutely, I love that one
After hearing Rory's story, you want to have a good time in Galway and Dublin and Kilkenny and the Cliffs of Moher with me? Come along on an Ireland adventure. I'm hosting a group in May, and I'd love for you to join me. There's still room, but it's just about last call. I can send you the brochure. Email me at sandy at wtmj.com. S-A-N-D-Y at wtmj.com. Give yourself the gift of a great time in Ireland, solo or with a favorite travel mate. Feel the welcome of the Irish people. See the gorgeous green scenery and make memories to last a lifetime. Consider it. Ireland is wonderful. Email me, sandy at wtmj.com. More music to put you in an Irish mood next on the song you need to hear on What's on Tap. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. This is What's on Tap with Sandy Max. I've been checking out the Irish scene here in Milwaukee since I'm planning this WTMJ trip to Ireland in May. Well, the Irish Cultural and Heritage Center at 21st in Wisconsin downtown is a terrific venue, and this band will be performing there February 17th. These are the Drowsy Lads and the song Wild Irishman. Yeah, maybe we'll meet one or two of those in Ireland in spring.
That is the song Wild Irishman by a band called the Drowsy Lads. You can see the Drowsy Lads perform on February 17th, one month before St. Patrick's Day, at the Irish Cultural and Heritage Center in Milwaukee at 21st and Wisconsin Avenue. It's a lovely historic church which has a performance stage and a pub inside. Get that Irish feel here in Milwaukee. Or get the real deal Irish feel with me in May. Come to Ireland in the spring on an Ireland adventure. I'm hosting a group with Steve Bertrand Travel, and there is still room for you to join in. Booking closes next weekend, and I'd hate for you to miss out. This is going to be one of those epic experiences. You just heard that wonderful music. Now imagine walking into a pub in Dublin or Galway or Kilkenny and having a pint while hearing a band performing music like that. Ireland is such a welcoming country with beautiful landscape like the stunning cliffs of Moher. Come see it with me. I'll email you the itinerary so you can think about it. Make memories. Have a true Irish experience. Email me, sandy at wtmj.com. I spell my name with a Y, so email me, s-a-n-d-y at wtmj.com. I'll reply with a brochure and answer any questions you have to make it the trip of a lifetime. If Ireland is on your bucket list then this is the time to do it. You know we'll have fun. Sandy at WTMJ.com. Thank you for listening to What's on Tap. Catch up on past episodes on the podcast at WTMJ.com or wherever you get your podcasts and listen weeknights at 6 on WTMJ. I'll leave you with more Irish music, eclectic Celtic music by the Irish band Reverie Road. This is the song, The Gap of Dreams. It's What's on Tap on WTMJ.